Welcome to the We Are Here podcast, a podcast all about entrepreneurship on the South Coast, collecting stories and lessons from entrepreneurs and community leaders to learn firsthand how they've built their business or organization so we can build our own. The South Coast is a small place, and we're letting the business world know that we are here. Show your support by liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the We Are Here podcast, and join the newsletter for all of our latest announcements and upcoming episodes at southcoast.fm slash subscribe. That's southcoast.fm slash subscribe. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the We Are Here podcast. This time, sitting down with my good friend, Jeremiah Hernandez of e for all fame and Ugly Gallery. We're talking all about his journey of growing up on the South Coast and learning this whole business game, how he got into it, why he has done it, why he got into art, and where he's at now with e for all helping other entrepreneurs uh, go through the same process and what he's learned from that. And it was an inspiring conversation uh, for those of us running businesses here on the South Coast. As always, this episode is brought to you by Slocum Studio. If you're looking for web services around digital design and marketing, social media and promotion, reach out to slocumstudio.com. Let's get into the episode. So Jeremiah Hernandez, uh, Community Partnerships Manager at Entrepreneur Entrepreneurship for All, uh, we're a company based in Lowell, Massachusetts, nonprofit um, that is now serving six communities throughout the state of Massachusetts with hopes to serve others throughout the country. You know, if there were ever a sponsor for this for this podcast, Eforall's got to be it. It might be Eforall. I, I mean, know. not only do I have past uh, cohort uh, graduates, is that what you? refer sure. to them as, um, but uh, we've had Shelly on the podcast before, right. I've done uh, the uh, the mentor matching nights, or excuse me, the uh, yeah, the mentor matching nights, right, so yep. like a speed dating, but for mentors and the entrepreneurs, I've done some videos for that, there's a lot of love for the e for all I really mentors have been on your program that Man. are not part of the e for all program cohort? Again, first time, if you're a first time listener, a lot of the stuff we talk about here is entrepreneurship in the South Coast, in and around the South Coast, some of the intricacies there. Uh, walk us down, Jeremiah, that path of entrepreneurship for you on the South Coast. Sure. Young Bucks kicking up a lemonade stand somewhere. Right, and that was right. Like the first so thing, um, entrepreneurship, I think, is a, one, it's a genetic disposition, uh, <laughs> likely uh, linked to mental illness. And I feel like uh, there's a lot of us out there. And uh the more I work with entrepreneurs on a, on a daily basis, the more I, I really am akin to believing that um, there is some kind of trait that we all have that just kind of puts us in this class of crazy people that wants to start businesses. Yeah, and it, it's a creative process too. So it especially is, if you're sure. inclined to you know, lean towards creativity, it's like you're, you're creating new products and services and you're trying to figure out how to let them grow. Right. So uh, what's the path to entrepreneurship uh, for me here uh, working on the nonprofit side, um, helping people start businesses? Um, I got to e for all because I was a recovering entrepreneur. So for five years prior to uh, coming over to e for all in 2015, I ran my own business in downtown New Bedford called The Ugly Gallery. We sold urban contemporary art. Um, ugly is an acronym for You Gotta Love Yourself. You know, we were really positive uh, community advocates, um, assuming we would open the doors and sell a bunch of art, and we opened the doors and sold a bunch of community. But community sometimes doesn't keep the lights on. Um, 
for-profit businesses that run as non-profits are no profits and you cannot live like that. So um, oddly enough, <laughs> oddly enough, uh, we gave it our, our best shot, but we learned a lot of, a lot of lessons along the road um, that had I had E for all, I think I'd still be running a successful business or I would have run for the Hills before uh, we even got started. Yeah. And, and is it, you know, there's, I was having this discussion with somebody the other day where we're we're talking about like the differences between a Fall River and a New Bedford. And, and let's just dig a little bit into the weeds here. Um, I just feel, you know, growing up, it, you know, in, in Dartmouth and being obviously so close to New Bedford and, and having so many business relations in New Bedford, like the, the, the ecosystem of small business owners, let's get together and make something happen in New Bedford is much greater than I see anywhere else. True or false from your perspective? You're putting me in a corner here. <laughs> um, the, you know, each community has its own personality. And I think um, there was a core or, yeah, there is a core of uh, young, hung hungry entrepreneurs that um, went to a failing downtown and said, let's open shop. And I, I hang a lot of our success on, on solstice and no problemo. Like <clears throat> the other day I went into No Problemo in downtown New Bedford and I was like, dang, it, I had to park two blocks away to come pick up my burrito. And Craig, the owner, he's behind the counter slinging burritos still 15 <laughs> right. years in. Right. Said, oh, you should have been here 15 years ago. You could have parked anywhere you wanted. <laughs> and to me, that that spoke volumes about like our growth and his commitment to to his community. And it was those two young guys. I mean, Solstice is been around now 17 or so years. Um, I think they fronted the money the first two months of rent to, to Craig for, for no probs. And, um, you know, Craig went from a hallway to a hallway in a room to a hallway, a room in a bar. And that's the been, you know, his progression over the years. Uh, but they really cared, uh, to invest in downtown when nobody else did. Um, but now they all, you know, there's a lot more believers than, than naysayers. Yeah. And I do see that here in Fall River. Um, I just don't see that core of young folks uh, investing in their community, but they're starting to bubble up. And I have a lot of faith in, in the, the future growth of the business uh, community here in Fall River. Yeah, as a, as a taxpaying citizen of Fall River, I, you know, I implore that people, you know, make it uh, uh, part of their you know, agenda to uh, come together a little bit more and, and sort of experience this community feel. And, you know, that we talked about sort of the, the young bucks, the young entrepreneurs in the New Bedford area, you know, bringing a lot of this to light. They're actually getting older now. Like sometimes yeah. I feel like, right. Know. We still want to think we're yeah. the young bucks, right. but, <laughs> but there's 20 somethings coming up that are trying to knock us out. Yeah. Um, but even before that, the, the art and culture was deeply rooted in New Bedford, I'd say, even before yeah. that stuff. That's been around for a long time. Why art? Why, what, why was that the calling for you at your, I guess, your first official entrepreneurship uh, journey? Why art? So um, it comes down to personal relationships. Um, my best friend, cousin, and business partner at Ugly Gallery, uh, David Guadalupe, um, he was the driver for me being involved in anything art related. Um, I, I didn't go to art school. I didn't go to business school. I don't have 
a creative bone in my body. I cannot draw <laughs> a straight line with a ruler. But um, I did notice a gap in artists' abilities, artists' abilities to promote and sell their own work. And I was part of the Great Recession, first in, uh, last out, first in. You know, last out before the great, uh, last in before the great recession, first out once the market fell out. And I was working for Reynolds Zewalt, um, in the north end of New Bedford, and they had just started to try to get into the digital space. So I was part of that conversation as, as the young guy, um, Hey, with, you know, computers, <laughs> Hey, you know how to turn this laptop yeah. on. Right. Uh, so when I was ref- thinking about what's my next move once I was laid off, I said, the government gave me a year to figure it out. Let's do this. So I started putting it out into the universe. We're going to open. It started with a clothing brand. Ugly. You've got to love yourself clothing brand. We said, we're going to bootstrap this clothing brand by selling artist work out of our gallery. And we're going to, we're going to blow up. Streetwear was, was, really starting to rise the advent of karma loop was like huge at that time johnny cupcakes just landed on the map obey giant wasn't a thing yet um and uh we thought we could be part of that conversation uh and then we started the business and yes (laughs) (laughs) and then you quickly realize like oh my god there's a a, there's a lot more to this than yeah than just putting some some ink on shirts what was the first thing that that hit you when you when you started the business? Um, was it like, oh God, we actually have to pay rent now, and that was that just put a whole different uh, level of stress on things. Where then you started to look at different, you know, products and services you might have to offer. Was it you know reaching people to come into the store? What was those first few things? It was like, oh boy, this is real, and maybe we're gonna take things a little bit different than we thought. So, you know. Uh, we landed on good fortune. Uh, our landlord was wanted to work with us. The space, um, that we eventually occupied was empty for a year before we got there. And, um, a really good friend of ours who, another entrepreneur, Circa Vintage Wear, Chris, um, who you should absolutely have on the radio show, uh, podcast, sorry. It's podcast, Pod- Pod- digital yeah. age. Right, right. <laughs> We're living in the future. Uh, Chris Duvall of, of Circa Vintage Wear recommended to his neighbor who he knew owned the building um that he should rent to us and uh we went there on super bowl weekend of 2000 and uh 2010 and the landlord listened to us for about six minutes he took the four rent signs out of the windows handed us the keys and said pay me rent in six months and we said, all right, let's, <laughs> we, we have to open a business now. Yeah. Right. So it took us three months to, you know, outfit the space with the $4.22 we had in our <laughs> pockets and <clears throat> scrape windows and, you know, just do the cosmetic work to a building that had been kind of in uh, mild disrepair for a little while. Um, and we launched uh, three months after after we got the keys so we still had three months of free rent and in month three we sold something like fifteen thousand dollars it out of the gallery and we were like 90 <laughs> days in we're, we're crushing it what color like, porsche am i getting yeah, yeah like this is easy yeah um 
But that's because we were starting to meet patrons that believed in the cause yeah. and, and saw some value in what we were doing mm -hmm. and they wanted to support us. Um, but that, that didn't happen very often yeah. in the next four and a half years after that. Yeah. And, and do you think, what do you think that is? Uh, is it, uh, it's the patrons that see you and they want to support you friends, family, and, and, you know, people from a, a second degree of those friends and families. Uh, it's that sense of community that you're, that you're building how how does one you know i you know hindsight's 2020 but looking back how do you tell somebody to grab that bull by the horns and and keep it going is is that a thing that somebody could keep going to to keep that momentum and and focus on community and not just product and service like is there some element there that you so, can pull out of it looking so back? we realized or, so looking back you know hindsight 2020 all that good stuff um at about year let's say 18 months in um i had been going to art fairs just as like a fun thing to do and uh and then i dug into what what it was to be part of an art fair and that's when i realized local galleries really don't exist as a sole entity um, when we were running our gallery, there were uh, 16 other art spaces in downtown New Bedford that you could go to uh, to purchase art. And we did the count at one point, and there was only three people that were at that at that moment solely selling art. They weren't professors at a university. It wasn't a secondary hobby income. You know, um, they were independently wealthy. Uh, so that that realization, along with understanding the structure of the art world, which had we done our, you know, due diligence prior to opening the business and thinking about who our customer was, we would have realized that our customer did not exist in this market. Not because there isn't a concentration of wealth here, but um, it's just not how how galleries stay alive. They're using these art fair circuits to um, get the word out and sell most of their year's worth of, of, of art sales through these, through these art fairs. And they only happen, you know, maybe four months out of the year. So um, to play in that game, it's capital intensive. Even for uh, uh, an upcoming gallery, they call us breeder galleries, um, you know, a secondary art fair during Art Basel Week in Miami would cost us somewhere around $20,000 just for the booth, just to get there. So now you add the, the, the cost of the art sale, 50% goes to the, to the artist, um, travel, stay. When you do all the math, you know, you have to sell a hundred to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in art just to walk out with yeah. your shoes, right? You know, <laughs> literally and yeah. literally, <laughs> right? So, um, at the, it was that point we were like, oh, all right, this is how art art galleries get done, right? We're not gonna do this, yeah. But let's just run and yeah. see how long we can keep giving back to our community, right? Um, it was a labor of love, yeah. At that point, yeah, we saw the writing on the wall and understood that wasn't the, the, the space we could play in. Um, but there was so much value in what we were doing with the youth of the community, field trips to our gallery, you know, um, aha nights, uh, a safe place for young people and, uh, you know, adults to come spend time when, you know, they have nothing else to do. 
Um, and it was exposing people from my hood that grew up, you know, in the West End and David's hood that grew up in, in Potter, Potter Street projects. We, there was this barrier between art gallery and what we thought was for us that we, uh, we got rid of. We, we took away that, that barrier for, um, people of, people that didn't feel welcome in that kind of space to come and enjoy. Is this something that is just akin to the nature of an art gallery, like <clears throat> the physical nature of an art gallery where it's, just, it's an open area and you can sort of serve these purposes, um, like you said, like give a, a, a safe sanction for somebody to come and, and hang out instead of just hanging out somewhere that could get them in trouble. Is that just the nature of this art gallery or can more businesses think like that? Like can can other did other businesses look at you like the old school businesses and say, well, uh, damn, it's just a clubhouse. It's just a clubhouse. Or did somebody look at you and say, well, but we should be doing that too. Like we should be giving back in this capacity. How, how did that all play out, if at all? Uh, I don't know how it played out in in other businesses, but I I do know that um, you know businesses that serve more of an urban population. Um, this happens more often than not where, where, you know, especially young people, they attach themselves to you. And I still have relationships with, um, young persons from, from the, the gallery that still seek out advice or, you know, want me to be the godfather of their child or, you know, um, you know, have, have grown up there, you know, it's 10 years now ago, essentially. Um, so those kids that were 14 and now 24 and it's all, you know, they, they, they have real jobs, yeah, and, yeah. you know, they're real adults. lives yeah, and they're adults, adults and yeah. So I don't know that, um, other businesses, uh, saw it and, and wanted to latch onto what we were doing, but definitely, um, a lot of the nonprofits in the area saw what we were doing and said, how can we help you? So let's fast forward to 10 years to where you are now with e for all What is that? What does, I guess, downtown or entrepreneurship on the South coast look like? Now that you've been in the game, what does it look like in terms of people getting sharper, business owners getting sharper? Do you see things that are happening that are getting better for the art community or the community in general? Like, what does it look like in terms of how much has changed in your eyes? Yeah, I mean, it's a completely different South Coast than it was 10 years ago. Um, I think there's... Uh, more concentration of people understanding the value of the art community um, and wanting to support it in a real way, not just as, you know, a commitment to put some art in your hallway so you can get this development contract. I think it's a real commitment to the arts community um, that we've seen as of late. But um, seeing it from the E for All side, it was an opportunity for me to say, don't fall into the same potholes that I did. These are the things you should be avoiding. Um, it gave me the opportunity to give back, and now I'm seeing that exponential growth in New Bedford and Fall River of businesses that are just that are really galvanizing their communities and you know making the experience for not only the resident but the tourists better, and you know having awesome products that are unique to our area. So. Um, it's a completely different landscape and I'm only on the, I, the E for all side is like this, you know, this fluffy 
nice, uh, enjoyable experience. Um, and we help people avoid starting a business. Yeah. That's a, like, that's a win for us. <laughs> right. When somebody right. says, you know what? Right. This is not the right business for me to start. Right. Because, we we want, you, you call yourself a recovering entrepreneur. Right. Because you've gone through this. I mean, towards the end, what, what was that like? Like, what were those emotions like when you were sort of just, you know, sweeping out, you know, ugly gallery for the last E for all save my life. Seriously. It's a dark place when you get to that low of lows. Entrepreneurship is lonely. Right. And And a lot of people don't realize it. No. I think I think everybody on the We Are Here podcast that I've listened to has said entrepreneurship is lonely. And it's a recurring theme every time I'm in class. It's the cohort gets so close because they're just one person on an island trying to make their their own business happening but having this group of people around them of support um that understands this loneliness it's it's a it's a really bad dark place to be it's because it, everyone starts out uh, as a company of one right it's just one person we, we see like these amazing things on you know shark tank and if you're like you know, if you have HBO and you watch, uh, you know, like Silicon Valley and you're just like, oh, start. And, they, and that's sort of like a parody of like the startup culture. But you see things like, yeah, well, people are getting millions of dollars to start these businesses. You hear about these crazy ideas that people launch and they're like, they got how much money for that stupid thing? Right. Like, I could do that, too. Um, you know, one of the, the challenges is when you're in that place you don't want to reach out for help because you kind of feel like I'm swinging and I'm missing. Right. Mm -hmm. And and if you're a business owner, you only want to say things are going great. Right. I try to look at these things as objectively as I can and say each, you know, to tie it back into art, these are just my works of art. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, business idea. Number one I created was, uh, well, officially was like a Dropbox before Dropbox was, was, even invented. Wow. Uh, me and Matt Grace, if you remember Matt yeah. Grace. And we created that and we were selling uh, computers. I mean, you gotta remember, this is like 15 years ago. We we're selling computers that just have hard drives on them that people could just send files to and then they could access it when they were at home. And that was like, people were like, oh my, this is amazing. Like, we would spend a lot of money on this. And, you know, we got annihilated <laughs> by, you know, just as massive as Dropbox uh, became. But, um, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that they can reach out uh, to get help uh, from folks, and they should. And Efrol is a great place to do that, right? The first entry point into Efrol for most people are what the pitch contest. Yeah, I think that's their first exposure. Yeah. Yep. And and that's that is a Shark Tank ish. Yeah, kind we say. Um, we say pitch contests are like Shark Tank, just no teeth. Right. <laughs> right. So it's like getting bit by like a goldfish or something. Right. Like that. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Like that. Um, tell me the impact uh, of E for All, um, or what makes your new role? Like, I, I your role before was what at E4All? sure. So I, with E for All, um, I started out in 2015 as a program manager for the South Coast program, which was the first expansion of the e for uh brand out of Lowell and Lawrence. Um, the executive director at the time was Shelly Carduce, and um, she hired me to help her run this program. Uh, and Shelly went on to do um, more things at e for I became the executive director, uh, but then they, you know, st- 
offered this position of community partnerships manager that I had actually mentioned to Shelly when I was the program manager. I said, if they ever have somebody that is going to go out and evangelize about e for all I want to be that guy. And pretty much a month after they uh, uh, gave me the executive director role, they announced this evangelist position. <laughs> yeah, you were like, oh, and I was well, like, oh, uh, uh, you know? <laughs> so they were about, uh, I don't know, six or seven months into the process and hadn't found anybody. And I said, you know what? I'm going to just throw my hat in just so you guys understand my interest. I love my job as executive director. But if, if you think I'm a good fit, and they were like, stop there. Let's hire an executive director at yeah. E4All South Coast. So yeah. um, <laughs> I could see you there, like in the corner, like making coffee and like listening into the conversation. Yeah. Did, yeah. You haven't found anybody yet? No, nobody. <laughs> nobody. Yeah. Oh, that was a bad interview. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Count me in. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's a great organization. Um, it is entrepreneurial itself, it's a startup helping startups. Uh, and you know, that's kind of the fluidity of what a startup is. You have to be flexible. You have to pivot. And um, when opportunity comes, you take it uh, and figure out the pieces uh, after that. So that's where we are now. In all of these uh, stories that you've shared so far here, uh, you know, the challenges of, of running this business and the emotional factor, all of this gets what wrapped up into a nice soft blanket for these entrepreneurs that come in and you, you, you sort of take them under your wing and say, it's going to be okay. Or is it intense? Like, okay, we're going to tell you what's out there, but we're going to show you the hard reality of it at the same time. It's like camping. Okay. It's a good analogy. You know, <laughs> or circus. Yeah. You know, intense. Uh, no, we, we do bring emotion to what we do. Because as much as we say we're a business business accelerator and an economic development driver, we're also community builders, essentially. Um, and uh, we always think about the person, and uh, sometimes the business comes second, you know. Uh, and I think we make sure that people are always reflecting on that. Whenever we meet in class, we're talking about um, wins. What's a win? Um, you know, big or small, but we're also talking about struggles and making sure that people understand they're not the only ones having this moment. There are other people in the room that are identifying with what they're saying about the struggle of running a business, and it could be just that the they wrong, can attach to. And it could be just be the wrong product too, right? Like you, right. Like you were saying too, it's like right entrepreneur, wrong idea, like it, and, right. and which is totally fine. But as entrepreneurs, we're like, no, no. This is our baby. This is our idea. This is what we really want to do. Nobody wants to hear that their baby is ugly. Right, right. Uh, and something like this program will sort of uh, will help people filter that out if that's the case. One of the things I always say, and maybe I shouldn't be saying when I'm on my mentor matching uh, night, speed dating night, is this is going to be intense. It is. Like you don't think it is. And I was just talking to my entrepreneur today that I'm, I'm mentoring, and she was like, you know, when, when you sat me down and said that it was going to be intense, I was just like, yeah, that's all right. I yeah, got it. That's cool. Yeah. No, yeah. it's intense. No, it is. <laughs> it's 90 days compressed of everything from legal to marketing to real estate purchase to insurance. It's a lot for these entrepreneurs to consume. How do you keep it sort of even 
keeled if at all or is this the game like this is the reality like you have to get yeah it's only going to get harder running a business is harder than going to this class right i'll tell you that 100 percent. running a business is harder than going through this accelerator um it can be super challenging but um i think the the one thing we always reflect on is um slowing down to speed up you kind of got to be like a slingshot you know draw it back really slowly and then off to the races um, so we're always stressing that we're always stressing that, um, although this is a fire hose, you don't have to run out and make, uh, insurance happen right after the insurance right. class. Right. You're going to be able to go back and reflect on this curriculum when you need it. Some of these people need it now. Some of these people won't need it for a year. So, um, it's just reinforcing that. Use this accelerator as a tool. Yes, it is intense. Don't make rash de- decisions right. uh, based on the class you went to on Tuesday. I always, and I, I reinforce that by saying like the best thing that happens in this is that you do come up with a, like you do pivot somewhere along the way. Yeah. Because you're going like, to be sharper. Yeah, you're going to be sharper. The idea that you came in was never really tested anyway. You were just thinking about it and you just kept convincing yourself like, this is amazing. I'm going to make a million dollars doing this. Um, and then you go through the program and you're like, ah, if I actually talk to people first, <laughs> I, might, yeah. I might find a better product. Right. Um, as we sort of wrap up the show, one of the things I like to get into is, is something of either marketing advice or some kind of tangible piece of advice that maybe you've learned or maybe now that you ran a business and you're in E4ALL and you're seeing it with all this education, keep, keep repeating to yourself. Um, how, you know, what's your best sort of either marketing advice or awareness advice? So if somebody hits the street running now with their new idea, what would you say? Like, do a survey, <laughs> do some market research. Like, what is it that you now tell people? This is a key critical thing you have to do. So our program, uh, the intense portion, is 12 weeks long. For the first four weeks, we want to we know that your, uh, our entrepreneurs know who their customer is. So my biggest piece of advice is know your customer um, and get out there and talk to them. The other would be... Um, if you're in a partnership, have an operating agreement while everything is hunky-dory, while it's all, you know, rosy and everybody's happy and energized about starting a business, get your operating agreement written then Mm -hmm. uh, because we have seen when the poop and the fan meet and it's not pretty ever. Um, And you could avoid a lot of that angst by having um, a roadmap laid out of things that partners should have laid out. What happens if I get run over? If I become, you know, um, uninterested in running the business? Uh, you know, things of that. My roles and responsibilities. Spell that out before you, before you get going while you're, you know. While you're in, in the honeymoon stage. While you're still. in the honeymoon. Yeah. While yeah. it's bliss. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a formality that sets the tone for, you know, your first hire how you want them to act, what happens when that first hire becomes a manager and then now they're managing other hires that you've done and you're getting this stuff at the ground level. It's, it's really going to help scale uh, scale the business. Be prepared. I think that was an <clears throat> Army commercial or a Marines commercial. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. So yeah. It sounds like it should be. Right. Um, real quick, I want to cycle back to the knowing your customer and talking to your customer. I feel like a lot of people do that practice once and then that's it. 
uh, how have you seen some of the folks in eForall, the, the, I guess maybe the more successful ones or the ones that have kept talking to customers, how have you seen them sort of, any tactics that they've sort of deployed that you've seen, wow, that's a great idea, survey when they buy something, uh, a little note inside every purchase that says, hey, if there's something that, you know, if you have feedback, give it to us. Like, what kind of tangible things have you seen people keep the customer feedback loop going? Um, or as a consumer, one, what you sure. like to see? I, you know, being on the consumption side of uh, Got Chew, for instance, mm -hmm. um, now serving both New Bedford and Fall River. Mm. My, uh, my Got Chew bill is insane yeah, <laughs> right yeah. now. I was looking at because I use PayPal and I get my monthly reports. I was like, wow, I'm spending some money on yeah, Got Chew. So <laughs> it's not so much the individual spends, but when they do a tally of one vendor on your, on yeah. your card statement, it's like... Uh, Wait, how did I give them $600 of my money last <laughs> yeah, month? No right. Uh, but they're always asking their customers things. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if that was e for all influence or <laughs> if they had that strategy in mind all along. Sure. Uh, but it's it to me as a as a as an executive director at the time, um just seeing that was encouraging sure. and knowing that some of the lessons that we're putting out there are actually rubbing off. But I think, I think serving your customers, talking to your customers and um, coming up with the right questions is sometimes harder than analyzing the results. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's the We Are Here podcast. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Android, Google Play, all of that fun stuff. Southcoast.fm slash subscribe. Jeremiah, where can folks find you to say thanks? Um, I don't know. I, I, where physically, where they can physically, find me, or I mean, do you do the social medias like a Twitter handle? I really handle? stink at the social medias. Uh, okay. Uh, but uh, you can send all yeah. edible arrangements to right. <laughs> yeah at it's J Hook on the Instagram <laughs> at E for All South Coast on the uh, on the business side of things. Um, any plug at the co-creative happening soon? Anything? Yeah. Like that? So. I, one thing we didn't get to start to talk about uh, is how E for All has has continued to keep me entrepreneurial. Ooh, our, uh, listen, the show's we, not. Are we going to go into? Are let's we going to go into overtime? Let's go OT. OT. I'm going to so, put a sound effect in right. right here. So we also help nonprofits at E for All get their idea off the ground. And I took all of those lessons that we ran in class and uh, with a group of amazing people launched a nonprofit called Superflat. Uh, which is bringing more public art to the South Coast uh, in New Bedford and Fall River. So superflatnb.org is where you can find me with that um, or at superflatnb on the Insta. And, um, you know, just applying the lessons of of what we're teaching in eForall to this new concept, keeping me entrepreneurial. Uh, it also was a pivot from the for-profit ugly gallery we saw that there was no profit there, so now a nonprofit model um, works because it's community-based, giving back to the community, allowing um, young people especially to experience art in a real way um, in their own communities. So yeah, that's, that's where you can really find me uh, <laughs> these days. Uh, that's where I'm putting my energy outside of e for all is um, helping, helping artists uh, connect to communities with more public art. It's awesome. And, and who else are you working with over there? That might be oh, 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 that. That's why we're working out of the co-creative. Uh, Dina Hayden yep. is also on the board. 
uh, we have a, a core of awesome volunteers um, that help us out along the way, artists, administrators, bankers, uh, community members. They're all, they're all there um, high-fiving and patting on the back and making sure we're um, in the right position for 2019 and, and beyond. Last year, we um, installed two permanent murals in New Bedford, uh, and this year we're hoping to execute uh, somewhere between 8 and 10 through New Bedford and Fall River. So Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, keep well, your eyes out. Well, we're going to have to have you back for a second round uh, of the show when, when we get the, uh, the mural on the side of the battleship. Uh, or the side of Ooh, uh, the, the, the that, that would be fun <laughs> uh, to check you out. So, uh, Jeremiah, thanks for doing the show. Everyone else, thanks for if, having me. If you want to join uh, on the mailing list so you know when the next awesome guest is or when we have Jeremiah back for a second time, southcoast.fm slash subscribe. We'll see you in the next episode.